Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity right in front of us. We do want to see people grow, Lord. We know you want to see people become great people. Lord, and that happens as we're transformed in the light, into the likeness of your son, Jesus, as your spirit and your word and your presence go to work in our lives. And so, God, I pray you'd take these simple words and your powerful word and that you would do something in our lives this morning. Lord, we don't know what it is, but we know that it's good. I pray for even the person who feels furthest from you that today, Lord, something would go on that, Lord, doesn't shift them by degrees but rips them in your direction. Father, for people, Lord, dry in their spirit, I pray something would come alive this morning, something of a fire reset in people's hearts and whatever else is needed across this room, you're able to take these words and do, Lord, multiple things with them in the lives of people you love. And so that's what we pray for today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Paul and Silas are on the road back in first century, you know, um, Roman civilization with the message of Jesus, what we call the gospel. And they come to a place and um, some people really receive the message and some people are hostile to the message. And the Jews in particular are hostile to the message. And then the Bible says this as the story continues in Acts chapter 17 and verses 5 and 6, if you're taking notes, it says... But other Jews were jealous So, of the message. It's interesting, isn't it? People give noble reasons why they react to everything, but often the reason underneath is not as noble as it first appears. So they, the Bible says, other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. You can think of people in this room that probably would have been hustled into that mob. They formed a mob. Not you, Beck. I didn't mean you. I meant Dale. <laughs> formed a mob and started a riot in the city. <laughs> Never. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Think about this unfolding scene. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here too. I love these words. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I like the idea that in your life and mine, if I'm a follower of Jesus, that we would in the best possible way turn the world upside down. I mean, just for somebody, anybody, just to turn their world upside down. I mean, really what we're saying is to turn it right side up, you know, is what the Bible would say. But to turn their world, there would be such a shake-up, something so powerful, something so profound to go on in their lives that their world would be flipped upside down and never be the same again. And so these guys, that's what they've done. And they've done it because that's who they, they are. Their world has been turned upside down. I'll put it here like this. They were ruined for normal. And they were on mission for Jesus. Now notice I didn't say that they became weird. They were just ruined for normal. I've got my most delightful niece in the world here this morning with her husband. He's a great guy. I've got my nephew 
and my niece, other niece. And now, when I say my other niece, I mean because married into the family, not because she's my second favourite. But, you know, Brie I've known since she was born. And when we were young, when my brother and I were young, their dad, um, we were in Cowra one time where Bron grew up, and my brother decided that it was a good idea to get a, you know, you saw the cross that we had at the lookout, to get one of those and walk down the street with it. That was going to powerfully affect people for Jesus. They're going to go, man, I want to be a Christian. I, I don't know what possessed my brother to do that, but he did it. That's called weird. That is not ruined for normal in the way we're talking about today. I even hid, even as his brother and a believer. I left my brother to it and went and got a coffee and waited till it was all over. But these guys, they were ruined for normal. Whatever their lives had been, their lives were not anymore. And they would never be the same again. And when you are a follower, when I'm a follower of Jesus, that's really, and if you're not yet, that's what God wants for you, not to become weird, but to be ruined for what is normal. Let's face it, normal is overrated. If normal was so great and so perfect, why is everyone trying to get to the next stage of whatever and not settle for where they are? Why is that? Because normal's not working. Normal doesn't work, does it? I don't know what you think of normal. You know, whatever it is, I, I, and what happened for these guys is, is, you know, living for the weekend was relegated. Living, living to just build a career was relegated in their, well, building just to get to retirement was relegated. All of the things that people would, you know, would be, it was relegated. It wasn't that it wasn't important. They still loved weekends. They still built careers. They still planned for the future we should, right? They still did all of those things, but they were relegated in their importance, because something had gone on that left them fundamentally changed. God's plan for all humanity, and especially for those who believe in Jesus, is that we would be absolutely ruined for normal life as it is, that we'd never be able to settle for life like that, that it would never quite do it. We know that normal isn't working. And here's what I would suggest to you is that normal in the church doesn't work either. I mean, what we've made normal, not what God says is normal. That works. But I would suggest to you that what... Some people would say is mainstream normal in the church doesn't quite work either. And you know that I'm right if you're living it. You're like, man, surely there's more to it than this. And my response to that would be absolutely there is. But it happens on Jesus' terms. I mean, talking about Dan and Nat for a moment, the reason that things unfold the way they do is because they completely build around God ideas, integrity and character and generosity and all those things that are involved. And so ruin for normal, here's what we're going to talk about, ruin for normal, awaken to God, alive for more. I believe that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. We're ruined for normal. We're awakened to God. We're alive for more. Sometimes some Christians, the longer they go, are less awakened to God and less alive for more. It's true, right? It's just true. I've had seasons of it myself, but it's certainly not where God wants us to be. So think about it here um, as we talk about this. Think about this. If God wanted us to be normal, he wouldn't have given us the Bible, would he? The Bible's not normal. It's revolutionary. Radical forgiveness. Unrivaled grace. I mean, there is nothing like it. Jesus' teachings haven't been superseded. They're as revolutionary in this moment as they were in first century Rome. Miraculous possibilities. How about this? Listen to this from the Bible. In the age of equality, 2,000 years earlier, like Australia got here first. So in Christ Jesus, you who are all children of God through faith, 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, with Jesus. There is neither, right, so here we go, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Well, well before anyone was talking about equality. Doesn't mean the church always done it well. But God's kingdom, Jesus' teaching, revolutionary equality. Well before it was a mainstream agenda of the 21st century, the Bible turns up saying, hey, this Jewish supremacy thing you guys have got going on, I want you to know it doesn't exist. You're from an African tribe, even if you're from Tasmania or Queensland, you are equal. Maybe not Queensland, but everywhere else on the face of the planet, you are equal. We should ramp it up. It's nearly origin season. Jewish supremacy. Majority slaves. The majority of the world were slaves. Roman world were slaves. And the Bible comes along and says to the, to, it says, hey, we want you to know you were owners, and they were owners of people, and you slaves, you're equal. There is no difference in the eyes of God. Romans, Roman men, you know what they say about the wealthy Roman class? They had one woman was their wife. She was good for babies. They had one woman who was the mistress. And they had one woman who was a prostitute or multiples. That was accepted practice amongst the elite. And the Bible comes along and says, no, no, males aren't better than anyone. Male and female are equal. And so the Bible, well before anything else, was revolutionary. The Bible taught all nations on earth, all stations in life, and gender equality before anybody had it on their lips. It was just the church's fault that we got it wrong, not God's. It's revolutionary. God didn't give us the Bible to be normal. And if God wanted us to be normal, he wouldn't have given us his spirit. Those of you who understand that terminology, if you don't, forgive me. But just for... He wouldn't have given, you don't need God's spirit. You don't need God's presence. We don't need God's power to be, do normal. You and I were able to do normal before we knew Jesus. But he gave us his word and he gave us his spirit that we might be mightily different, that we might be ruined for normal. If God wanted Christians to be normal, he wouldn't have given them a global mission of going to start making disciples that has reached to Tamworth all the way around the world, right out to you and I. It has reached across the ages. If God wanted us to be normal, he certainly wouldn't have given us a mission to go and make disciples around the globe. So people ruined for normal, awakened to God, alive for more. Here's a passage coming on the screen, I think, Matthew chapter 13. This is sort of, this is, I love this, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Don't you like that? I like that just on a human level. He didn't tell the farmer. He just hid it and then went and bought the farm for the going price. That's clever. That's clever. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he brought that field at the previous rate. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. I want us to think about that. That's what the Bible says. When we come to a knowledge of who Jesus is, trust in what Jesus has done, surrender our future to him being Lord and Savior of the world. When that comes, this is what the Bible says is to take place. That whatever was really, really important to me before, uh, it might still be in my life, but has lost its significance. Lukey and I, my nephew, we were talking last night and, um, or the night before we both like, played footy. I played footy till I was way too old to be playing footy. And, then, and I remember standing in the huddle like, for my final game and, and guys were saying things like, the, the, it was like 
there are more cliches in a rugby league huddle than anywhere else on the planet. And they would say things like, this 80 minutes is going to matter for the rest of your life. And when I was 16, it, I thought it would. But now that I know Jesus, they're all nodding their heads in agreement. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know that playing for the Kutingle Roosters in a coloured jersey, different from the other guys in their coloured shirts, with a field marked with light lines, and we're going to run each other, and whoever's got that little leather thing, they're sort of in charge. I don't think that's going to change my life, and I'm going to remember this for the rest of my days, apart from the fact that we lost. Because something's gone on and everything's changed, ruined for normal, awakened to God, alive for more. That's what he wants to go on in all of our hearts. Peter was talking one day and the crowds are leaving Jesus and justifiably so. I mean, Jesus has just said something absolutely crazy. You know, people say, I like Jesus, not the church. That's not true. They don't know this teaching. Jesus says something that I don't know that I wouldn't have left. And so they start leaving and Jesus turns to Peter and he says, what about you guys? And they say, Peter says, where am I going to go, Lord? You've got the words of life. I'm out of options. He was ruined for normal. He was awakened to God. He was alive for more. And so here's a starting place for us to move forward from today for all of us, wherever we're at. Listen to this, Romans 12, verse 1 from the message version first. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Don't you like that? Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it under the culture sorry unlike the culture all around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity god brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you here's the first thought take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work life and place it before god the bible says as an offering now when they're in back in that day they get this idea pretty quickly it was normal practice to bring offerings before, the God, before God or before the gods, depending on where you lived in the world. Make an offering out of what was yours and present it to God. And now it's his. That was normal practice. And so the writer, probably Paul of Romans, comes along and he says, hey, here's what you do. It's this simple. Take your life. And in another version it says, and present it as a living sacrifice before God. What's he saying? Take what is currently yours, hand over ownership to God, and then live out this life. That's what it's saying. That is what the Bible calls every believer to. And when I first heard it when I was young, I thought that was like the worst idea I'd ever heard. I thought, man, I wouldn't do that. I just want to do what I want to do. But I look now at the trajectory of life, imperfectly as I've done it, and go, man, they are the best decisions you ever make when you align your life with that idea. And, and the more aligned it is, and the, because you can't really half align sacrifice to God. Either I'm in charge or he's in charge. I mean, he's given me charge over all sorts of things. That's a subject for another day. But either I'm in charge or he's in charge. We're not joint bosses. Have you ever tried to be a joint boss? 
It's not easy. He's the boss. And so the Bible comes along and says, hey, ruin for normal. Awaken to God alive for more. Bring your life as a living sacrifice. It's a transfer of ownership. Here's the next thought. It goes on to say, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking. Um, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Again, I just want to emphasize it doesn't mean weird. I like being Aussie. I like Australian culture. Um, I remember after a few years, someone said, you don't have to throw your personality out with it. God made you that way for a reason. That's a bit hard to work out why he made us that way for a reason sometimes, but he did. And so it's not about throwing out our personality. It's about just taking all of that and embracing this. So don't be so well adjusted. The, the, the NIV version says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if I'm going to be ruined for normal, alive to God, awakened for more, there's still an unlearning, some unthinking to take place and some renewing of thought to take place. And I want to bring back every Christian who just switched off because you know the scripture. So if you're Dan Coleman sitting in the back, there's some unlearning to take place. There's still some renewing to go on. Maybe less than Jules. I got that back the front, didn't I? Probably more, way more than Jules. Less than me. Is that better? Okay. And... Um, but there's still, it doesn't matter how long we've been on the journey, there's some unlearning. I had to recently, someone, I had an email sent to me, I had a text sent to me, and I had someone else approached me. And, um, and you know what, it wasn't easy to hear. So just saying, Darren, I feel like you're a bit harder, not as soft as you used to be. You're making decisions quickly, that changes things. I'm like, yep. Heard it from three different people, not the same way, different way. I thought, okay, I've got to own this. I'd been watching the circus with um, Donald Trump and all the American candidates. And I reckon, I reckon that I actually got affected by it. I think I started making just decisions. I was a little bit more blunt. I mean, I am direct and I am, but, but that, you know what I'm saying, I think. If you don't, yes. talk later. <laughs> and I had to acknowledge that whilst it's good to be direct, and I think you have to be clear that I need to be soft. And I had to get before God and go, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt people, God. I don't want to be hard. I want to stay soft. I want to live humble. And I had to, I just started to read all the scriptures again on that. I started to change the way I just practiced some things that ensured that humility was front and center. And I've got a long way to go. And I certainly haven't mastered it between there and here. But no matter where we're at, we all have things to unlearn and we all have things to renew in our thinking. I want you to watch this clip because this captures it beautifully. He had a challenge for me. Oh, thanks, he had Mike. built a special bicycle and he wanted me to try to ride it. He had only changed one thing. When you turn the handlebar to the left, the wheel goes to the right. When you turn it to the right, the wheel goes to the left. I thought this would be easy, so I hopped on the bike ready to demonstrate how quickly I could conquer this. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Destin Sandlin. First attempt riding the bicycle. I couldn't do it. You can see that I'm laughing, but I'm actually really frustrated. In this moment, I had a really deep revelation. My thinking was in a rut. This bike revealed a very deep truth to me. I had the knowledge of how to operate the bike, but I did not have the understanding. I do not make definitive statements that often, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot ride this bicycle. You might think you can, but you can't. 
I know this because I'm often asked to speak at universities and conferences and I take the bike with me. It's always the same. People think they're going to try some trick or they're just going to power through it. It doesn't work. <laughs> Your brain cannot handle this. So here's what I did. It was a personal challenge. I stayed out here in this driveway and I practiced about five minutes every day. My neighbors made fun of me. I had many wrecks, but after eight months, this happened. One day I couldn't ride the bike and the next day I could. It was like I could feel some kind of pathway in my brain that was now unlocked. It was really weird though. It's like there's this trail in my brain, but if I wasn't paying close enough attention to it, my brain would easily lose that neural path and jump back onto the old road it was more familiar with. Any small distractions at all, like a cell phone ringing in my pocket, would instantly throw my brain back to the old control algorithm and I would wreck. But at least I could ride it. There you go. Here's the interesting thing. You know what else after eight months? He couldn't ride a normal bike. His brain had been retrained. So well before we understood neurological pathways, the Bible was telling all of humanity who would listen, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you and I, as we come along, eight months, I've ridden the bike. You cannot ride. I know that coordination is not my highest skill set, but you cannot ride the bike. You cannot. Because the little things, our brain just kicks in. But if we will sign up for, there's a, there is the, um, the catalyst moment where something goes on in the heart of people and they are changed by the power of God. But then there's the ongoing progression of that journey, which is the renewal process. And, and I wonder for you, and I wonder where it is that there would be some unlearning to do as it relates to that which is true, that which is biblical, and some renewing to happen in an area of your life. I wonder where that is. Because I think that could be a catalyst point in your life and in mine in ruining us for normal. Where do I think like normal culture thinks and maybe differently to how the Bible says? I'll put it here. There is a tension to navigate here for all of us between the, the, the clash of culture and of Scripture. Does the way I think more reflect culture in an area or Scripture? Think about it. Think about even something like being here today. Does the, my pattern, my... The way I think about the gathering of Jesus' church, does it more reflect culture or does it more reflect Scripture? Which is it? And I would say, you know, some of us would have a way culture thinks about church or the way culture thinks about all kinds of things. And that's where the tension is. There's a clash of ideas and when something changes and something needs to go on. I thank God for every young single person in the room today that actually is determined to live biblically, not culturally, and keeps himself pure for marriage. Thank God for that. It's powerful in people's lives. It's not there to create a restriction. It's there to liberate people's lives. It's there to set up their future. It's there to set up their marriage. Thank God for that. I mean, even in our own lives, you know, there are things where culture and scripture that before Bron and I were married, around church, around service, around finance, around those things, we made decisions. We've never had to have a conversation in our married life. Is that what we do ever? Now, we've had to have questioned the settings. We've had to change the numbers. But we've never had to re-ask some of those things because we went, culture says this, Scripture says this, we're going that way. We want to live ruined for normal. I know many of you live that way. And I want to encourage you around that today. Where's some unlearning to take place for you? Where's some renewing to take place for you? Because there, there is breakthrough. There is a catalyst moment. There is the 
the, the seed that leaves us ruined for normal? Where, where do we need to get discontent with the way it is and the way I live? Because it more reflects culture, it more reflects what I want than it does what the Bible says. Where is that? If we can tap into that there, if we can make a change around that, that will absolutely do a powerful work in our lives. It will, it will. My prayer for you today is that you would be radically ruined for normal, not redirected to weird, but ruined for normal because God didn't make us to just move through life, to live for the weekend, to accumulate stuff, to get to retirement and then die some point in the future. No, He made us for so much more than that. He put cause in our heart. He put gifting upon your life. My little Katie did a gifting thing yesterday. We're all sitting around the table doing gifting. So I don't know what you do with your free time with your family that's what we did and I've been telling Katie she was on a bed one time when she was about 10 it was late at night and I said Katie you should think about replacing Barnaby Joyce one day you could be a great MP you could be a great maker of policy you've got a sharp brain you've got a good heart you love Jesus I think you should think about it she said dad I'm 10 and I'm tired can I just go to sleep I said, yes, sweetie, but don't forget. Don't forget. <laughs> anyway, her, her profile yesterday, what's it turn up? Be a great diplomat, Daniel. Be a great diplomat. I'm like, who knows? She might do something completely different. But who knows what God has placed? I tell you what won't put her in a place where that can happen? Normal. Ruin for normal will. Take your everyday life. You know, what it's saying is saying, go back to the same place, the same people, just with higher purpose. Some things haven't changed, like the demon-possessed man that Jesus healed. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm ready to go with you. Let's go on a global tour. You know, let's write a book. And, and Jesus says, no, no, just go back to your people. Same place, same people, higher purpose, purpose. Everything is changed. Just go back to the same place, same people, ruined for the way it used to be, awakened to God and alive for more. That's what He wants for you. That's absolutely what He wants for you and absolutely what He wants for me. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Come on, why don't you close your eyes? Just because it's a form of praying, it's not right or wrong. Just close your eyes for a minute. Focus all your attention just for 60 more seconds. Clear your mind of what's coming next, everything else. Focus on God and let me pray. And if you agree with this at the end, if you don't agree, don't say it. Let it run by. But if you agree with me, say it at the end. Make this your moment before God. Heavenly Father, you are God over all things, all creation, all people. We have, many of us have found the treasure like no other and you would have it cause us change forever from the inside out all the days of our life and for all of eternity. So God, we come this morning and say, ruin us for normal. God, my prayer is that nobody be able to go back to normal, even if they don't change. Lord, dissatisfied, discontent, restless in their spirit that you might get a hold of us and that faith might rise and that hope might rise and that you might speak into people's future powerfully about what it is you have for them and all it is that you call them to. I pray for young people today that wouldn't just move through life, drift through life, serving you in some kind of way, but God on fire for Jesus, living heart and soul for the King of kings and the Lord of lords and right across this room, Lord, people who are stuck, 
to be unstuck from normal, Lord. And Father, for every person already ruined, I pray you would do even more work in them this week. Oh God, may you continue to ignite people's heart, light their spirit, stir their soul, that something powerful would go on in and through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's see. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.